Hey guys, we're back for another episode of Build Your Own Fairy Tale, the podcast for women who aren't willing to settle and they want more out of life, more of the magic that life has to offer to build that ultimate fairy tale, or you know what, something even better than you could have dreamed of. This is your weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to get out there and make your own magic. So consider yourself sprinkled with fairy dust and let's go. Hey guys, welcome back. Last week, we focused on work with Emily Landgraf, all things resume, finding your why, and acing the interview. If you haven't listened yet, I highly recommend putting it on your list because there was so much amazing content, I felt the need to split it into two episodes, so there's a lot of goodness there. This week, while we parents may still be thinking about work, kids across the country are celebrating the end of the school year and gearing up for summer, which likely means we'll all be spending a bit more time outdoors, which is a welcome change of pace but something we do need to think about how we have fun while still protecting our skin. To tackle this topic, I knew just the person to call on. Today, you're going to hear from Sarah Esposito, one of my very good friends. We met through our kids and we are now forever bonded through our mom tribe. And Sarah is not only fun to hang out with, she's also our resident derm expert. When she's not hanging out with our tribe and her kids, she's working as a physician's assistant in dermatology. Now, I know I've had my friends on the podcast before, but what can I say? I've got a lot of smart, talented, and beautiful friends, so I love sharing their wisdom with you. So let's get ready to soak up the sun with Sarah. Sarah, welcome. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, let's kick things off with something super hard. Can you tell us if you could be a fairy tale or fictional character who you would be? I definitely can tell that. So if I could be any fairy tale or fictional character, I would have to say Moana Okay. for a couple of reasons. One, it's my favorite Disney movie. I love it. Um, I like that. It was the first Disney movie that I watched, especially with my daughter, that she actually was like, used her own brains to figure things out and get it done on her own. And she was the strong character who relied on herself and really, um, figured it out on her own. And I really appreciated that about her. And I think that's a a great thing for young girls to see. And also she really cares for her tribe too, which I think is important. It reminds me of myself. I really try to care for those around me, especially my quote unquote tribe. And lastly, I, I just love the beach and the ocean. And I share that connection with her. I find it to be kind of my happy place. And I can understand that connection that she has. So uh, those are the reasons I would have to go with Moana for sure. Oh, I love all of those reasons. And I can attest to the taking care of your tribe. You are an awesome friend and part <laughs> of my tribe. So thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be part of your tribe. I would say right back at you. Thank you. And then, you know, your love of the beach is a perfect segue because we are talking about sun and skin health today, right? So can you fill our listeners in on what you do as a physician's assistant in dermatology and also what's the difference between a physician's assistant and a dermatologist? Yeah. And and that's a common question too. Like what is a PA, a physician assistant PA? um, What do they do? So first of all, I just want to point out that you can appreciate dermatology and still love the sun and being outside and being at the beach. They don't have to be mutually exclusive, which is good to know. You can still practice good skin and sun habits um, and enjoy what you like to do. What a physician assistant is basically, it's a, the way I usually describe it, it's kind of a mix between, it's a midway point between a nurse and a doctor. So a lot of our training and schooling is done with medical students, but basically when you graduate, instead of going off to a residency, you go right out into the field. So it gives a lot of options. PAs, you know, I worked in the ER for a few years and then went into dermatology because it's always kind of been something I've been interested in. So in my office, I really do the same exact thing 
that the doctor does. I can write prescriptions. I see patients on my own. I do my own skin exams. I have a lot of independence where I work, luckily. And we really do the same thing that the doctor does. It's just we have them there to consult if we need to. And physician assistants in general can't own their own practices. So we kind of function within the doctor's office as like a supporting role, but also as a provider. So we see our own patients, we do our own things, but we have the doctor there in communication if we need them, basically. Okay, good to know. And I know because I've seen physician's assistants at my office where I go. So it, I mean, they're always very helpful and they have all the information I need. So I'm glad that we could clarify that. Yeah. And the training's more instead of like the residency is more of on the job and depending, um, you know, how long the PA has been there and whatnot, they're very knowledgeable and, and they know a lot of, they know their stuff. They are. And how many years have you been doing this now? So I graduated PA school in 2011. So I have been a PA for 11 years. The first three I spent in the ER and then I transitioned to dermatology in 2014. So end of 2014. So I'm coming up on eight years, which seems crazy, but I've really enjoyed it. And it's, it's kind of flown by. Can't believe it's been that long, honestly. No, that's awesome. Okay, great. So now that we know what you do, a little bit about who you are, can you tell us just about the overall importance of skin health? And especially as we're coming upon the summer here or soon to be official summer months, I feel like it's more top of mind for us as we're getting outside more and the, the heat is coming on. So give us a education 101 on skin health. Gotcha. So I'm sure we'll delve into some of the specifics, but two things I would point out about the skin. One is why you need to protect your skin and keep it safe. It's really your barrier from the outside world. Your skin protects you from all the elements including the sun. And it's just, it's a physical barrier between you and the outside world. It's, it's the largest organ and it really does protect your body and create a nice, I know I keep saying barrier, but a nice barrier between your internal aspects and everything else that's outside. So taking care of it is important. And also your skin does tell you a lot sometimes about what's going on inside as well. Different conditions can present in the skin. So it's important to pay attention to your skin. And if you see a problem, go to the dermatologist, because it might give you a window into something else that's going on inside and not necessarily something bad, but something that, you know, it can call your attention to and maybe help you or change and improve. Great. And I can also attest to the fact that we've hung out and we've said, Sarah, take, come, come take a look at this because <laughs> something else on our own skin or our kin say, um, can you just take a look and let us know what's going on? And always good to put our minds at ease or say, you know, that needs something, go get it checked out or you're going to need a prescription. So just wanted to add that because that's also yeah. a helpful perk within the tribe. Um, <laughs> so within, within protecting that barrier, SPF. Okay. I know it comes in a range, right? I always go for the high one and my friends have all made fun of me. They call me the pale princess, but what do we really need when it comes to SPF? What should we be looking for? So really you're best off with doing something 30 or up the, the goal of SPS that the higher SPS supposedly can keep them on longer, but really you really should be replying a sunscreen every two hours, especially in the height of the sun, which is really between 10 and four, 10 and two, especially, but really 10 and four. So any SPF way they test SPFs is basically they, they put a pretty thick concentration on the skin. And most of us don't necessarily put that thick of a layer on that they're tested under. So using a higher SPF is going to make sure that even if you put it on just kind of quickly, you're still getting a good barrier from the sun. But once you hit 30 and above, honestly, you really should be reapplying every two hours. So it kind of gives you a false sense of protection. If you're putting on hundred that you can go all day, it's not the case. I usually just stick with the, with anywhere between the 30 to 70 range, looking for other features I like a little bit more than the actual number of the SPF. 
Um, but just know 30 and up, you're good. Okay. And now thinking of like, when you said the thickness, when I'm putting on kids sunscreen for my girls, usually it's a little thicker if it's specifically a kid sunscreen. Is that because there's different ingredients, different levels? Like why is it so much thicker and is it important for them? Or should we just be using whatever we got as long as it's an SPF sunscreen? So if you're in a bind, whatever you add is good. But basically my take on sunscreen, the quote unquote physical sunscreens, which are basically zinc oxide and titanium dioxide are far superior to the chemical based sunscreens. If you look on the back of your sunscreen, they're either going to have a list of like four or five, they'll say active ingredients. And they're either going to have a list of four or five different active ingredients. It might be like avobenzene or just some long chemical names, but really the mineral based sunscreens are preferred or the physical barriers just to say how these physical barrier sunscreens work. They actually reflect the sun, whereas the chemicals kind of work in a different aspect, but they do have studies that show when you put a chemical sunscreen on that is absorbed actually into the bloodstream. And these things do enter our body. So with these mineral based or physical based sunscreens, specifically zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, you're getting a much cleaner sun protection. They do go on thicker as a result, but they are just more effective and they're safer, honestly. So for kids, definitely I always recommend a mineral based Take that extra time, especially that first application. If you're going to the beach of the day before you hit the sand and get all sandy to really put on like a good physical sunscreen. If you take that extra minute or two, you're, it's just going to give you better protection. So zinc oxide and titanium dioxide are really the two that you're looking for. Most mineral-based sunscreens are going to be zinc oxide-based, and that's really the best ingredient for sun protection. You do have to balance because the problem with the physical sunscreens is they are a little bit thicker, but you can find some that go on smoothly. It's just going to be more testing what works for you. I think Neutrogena's zinc oxide sunscreen goes on pretty smoothly. It's not too hard to rub in. Blue Lizard is my favorite. Blue Lizard is a great brand. They make a sensitive skin brand as well. And yes, it is a little harder to rub in than those chemical based ones, but it's safer for you. It's safer for your kids, it's safer for the reefs, and it's going to work better. So take the extra time. It's totally worth it. At the end of the day, it's really not not that hard to do. Okay. It's helpful to hear you break it down about the mineral-based formulas because I know with my girls, they have sensitive skin, or I feel like it's gotten more, it's gotten more sensitive over time. So I forget which one it is, but they are definitely the skin doesn't react so much with one of them. And I can't remember which one, but we've stuck with Yeah. And once you find one, they like stick with it. And let's be real. I mean, when I I do like to go to the beach a lot with my family. And so what I'll usually do is I'll put on a physical sunscreen, uh, like the zinc oxide, specifically blue lizard. I'll put that on in the morning. And then when they're running around on the beach and they're coated in sand, it's not that easy to put on a thick, heavy sunscreen. So that's where sometimes what I'll do is rely more on the sprays. They're not my favorite, but I do find their place to be when we've been kind of, you know, that reapplication phase comes and they're covered in sand and it's just going to be a mess to try to rub the sunscreen in and basically rub sand into their skin. I'll spray their arms and legs with the spray scrum screen, but I'll always reapply the, the zinc oxide on their face because it is just superior. And I do love rash guards as well. Just, especially if you're going to be outside all day, they're, they're just easier for you. You don't have to spend your time putting sunscreen on your kids. You really just spray their arms and legs and send them off. Yeah. I know some kids will be a little resistant to it, but if you can get them to agree to it, it, it does make your life a little easier. I love those hacks. And I agree on the, the shirt or the rash guard type of style. I feel like, oh, great. Half my job is done. I don't have to uh, apply. <laughs> exactly. It's all about making it easier for you. It is. Because uh, 
Yeah. And then, so that's where those sprays do come in handy, but you have to be really careful about like putting it on evenly. Cause a lot of times you're spraying the wind's blowing and it just goes all over the place. You're really not getting a good application, but if you, you know, if you really pay attention to it, you can put on a nice clean coat. And that's kind of where I use those more is for the reapplication when it's just easier and convenient. I feel so validated because I also use the spray in those <laughs> situations of like, Oh, you're wet, but you're going back in. Like I need something or it's late in the day. So outside of, yeah, outside of those 10 to four hours, are we like, I assume you're going to say we still should put something on, but it's just not as critical if they go out there at four o'clock for practice. And I haven't put anything on. Yeah. And like, sometimes I have to admit, like, I'll put it, I'll make sure I put it on their cheeks um, and try to rub it on their arms quick, like your legs, especially if they're running around and moving. It all depends how sensitive your kid's skin is too. Like some kids, if they get a little bit of a baseline tan, they're not really prone to burning as much. But if there is a kid with sensitive skin or is really prone to sunburn, stick with the mineral-based sunscreens are going to work better. Focus on the rash guards, put on a hat, all hacks you can do to kind of make your life a little bit easier. I don't know of any spray mineral-based, but if they're not here, they might be around the corner because there, there's a lot of been a lot of evolution in sunscreen, especially recently. And sticks are great for that too. I love the, the sunscreen sticks that look like deodorant because mm-hmm. you can just like put, like rub them on so easily. Um, especially on the face, it really does, um, save a lot of time. I was resistant at first. I didn't think I would like them, but once I started using them, it's it's a lot easier. Uh, we are also a fan of the sticks here. My girls like to do it themselves on their face and they just, they feel like the sense of independence and they're getting it done. So that's one of our, our go-tos as well. Exactly. And if kids can get some ownership of that and feel like they're doing it themselves and you know what I mean? It, it just makes it a little bit easier. It's a one less fight you have to fight. And it makes them feel independent and like they're doing something good for themselves. If you tell them why it's helpful and you know, it'll, it'll help to encourage that. Awesome. And I'll, I'll share one hack with you, Sarah. I saw on Pinterest once um, to apply sunscreen or sunblock with a makeup brush. So my girls also look at it as like painting, like you put the thick stuff on the makeup brush, obviously like when you're not using for your makeup, and yeah. they, they paint it on. Sometimes it takes a really long time, but we found that to be a fun tip. So that's really cool. I love that. I love that. Anything you can do to make something tedious, fun, especially for kids is always a good thing. So using creativity like that, especially in something like sun protection, I love it. I can't get enough. Yeah. So otherwise any other differences or watch outs in terms of thinking of our skin health and safety in the summer between kids and us as parents, because obviously if they're out there, we're probably out there too. So is it really the same across Sunscreens, yeah, I would say it's, you're better off with a mineral base as well. And you can find a lot of really like there's Juice Beauty, for example, it's, they make really great products that have like no additives. So depending how holistic you want to be, there's a lot of cool products. But this could also be a segue into like looking like what you want to look for on your skin as an adult, like what's normal, what's not normal, basically, because dermatologists can take a while to get an appointment with and you don't want to be sitting at home, you know, being nervous about something. But things that I would say, you know, basic overview of what we would do with the skin cancer screening. So first of all, there's kind of two different types of things that we would break it down into things that can occur with sun damage. Basically first would be the most common types of skin cancer, which are basal cell squamous cell carcinomas. Um, they're the most common. They're purely essentially from sun damage. Um, for squamous cell carcinomas, there's a lot of precancer spots. They're called actinic keratoses that present as basically like a rough scaly patch on your skin that doesn't go away. They're most commonly gonna be on your ears or your face or maybe the backs of your hands as sun exposed areas. And they're usually people over the age of 35, I would say and up. 
Um, but it depends again on your sun exposure. So if you feel like there's a spot of dry skin, particularly on the face where it's just this little patch of roughness, that's just not going away. That would be something where I would say to go to your dermatologist for they're usually precancers. A lot of times it just takes a simple freeze of like a, of liquid nitrogen essentially to get rid of them. And it will save you a lot of trouble down the road because we think that five to 10% of these precancer spots can then evolve into a squamous cell carcinoma. So if you catch them early, you freeze them. That's really all you have to do. You're going to save yourself, you know, a lot more treatment down the road. Okay. Squamous cell carcinomas are more of a thicker spot that you would, a thicker crusty spot. And then you have basal cell carcinomas, which are the most common type of skin cancer. Great news about them. They do not metastasize. They do not spread for the most part, but it would present almost like a pimple that doesn't go away. So if you have a little spot on your face that just constantly bleeds, we see a lot with guys with shaving or like a pimple that's been there really over a month and not going away. That would be another day I would say, hey, make a call to your dermatologist, check it out. But luckily they're also very easily treated. And then you have your more of what are called melanocytic type lesions, which are basically moles or nevi as we call them, or beauty marks or freckles. They have a lot of different names, um, but they're the brown spots, long story short. Um, and what you're looking for with those is usually what I tell my patients what to keep an eye out for is any mole that's evolving in any way. We've all heard the ABCDEs most likely. But any mole that's getting larger, getting darker, one side of it's getting darker and the other's not, it's bleeding, anything where you see those changes, that would be something that you would want to call to attention. And it's not something where you have to kind of just constantly look at your skin and be upset with it, but you should familiarize yourself kind of with the freckles that you can see. And just if you see anything evolving in any way or changing, be something to bring to your dermatologist's attention. And the other thing would be a new brown spot or freckle that comes up that looks just completely different from everything else. We call it the ugly duckling where it shows up. You haven't seen anything else like it on you. That would be again, something that I would say consult a dermatologist and just keep in mind that most of these things we catch early, you know, when we screen with skin screenings, or even if you do see a mold that's changing, it doesn't mean it's anything dangerous. It just, there's a lot of times where we can catch moles that are evolving, become what we call dysplastic or atypical. And you catch them early, you get rid of them. There, there nothing, you know, there's no consequence to it. So screening is really important because a lot of these things, you catch them early and there's really no consequence. Um, but those would be the things overall. That's a hopefully a somewhat concise overview of what you would look for in your skin and what might be a good idea to get into a dermatologist. You see? Yeah, no, that was very educational. Thank you. Passionate about derm. I can't <laughs> help myself. <laughs> and I wrote down freckles because I feel like as adults, some of us may have them, but I'm noticing some pop up in my kids. So again, I'm thinking of kids in the sun. Like, is that normal that freckles appear over time? Definitely freckles. I mean, essentially they're really cute, um, but they are a sign of, of sun damage. Listen, my, especially my son, Max has a ton of freckles. He's a fair kid and we, we do go outside. So it, yes, you will, you'll notice more freckles appear in the summer and sometimes they fade out in the winter time. And it's general, it's, they're not a dangerous thing. Some kids are going to be more prone to them than others, but if you put on sunscreen and you're careful with it, it will help to minimize, minimize the freckling. And in general, for the most part, they're harmless, but it does show that they're getting sun. Okay. They are super cute, but yes, <laughs> they are adorable. I know. <laughs> All right. Great. So you mentioned the screenings. What is the recommended like if you are a healthy individual or in kids, like, do you recommend screening for kids or it's just if something's looking weird? It's a bit of a gray area. So first of all, if there's a family history of melanoma, um, either in one first degree relative or two second degree relatives, first degree being a parent or a sibling, second degree grandparents, aunts, uncles, you would want two, you know, two second degree relatives, then you should be screened more regularly because there is a, a genetic component to melanoma as well. It's not just sun. 
But in general, if your kid has a lot of moles, like I grew up, probably why I'm in dermatology, actually. I have a family history and we're very freckly people. So I've been going since I was younger. Anytime you see something that you're not sure about, make an appointment and get in and take a look. I do see children as well as adults. And some children just have more moles than others. And for the most part, kids, especially kids under the age of like 15, they're not, you know, melanoma is not common at all. But it is something where it's a good idea to establish a baseline. And there are certain types of growths that can put you at a higher risk in the future. So identifying them early is helpful. I would say if your kid has a good amount of moles, maybe over 10, or they're just darker in general, or you yourself have a history of atypical moles, probably not a bad idea to get them in early. And there's really no age when you would start that. It was just when you would feel like it was something that maybe you thought something looked irregular or you couldn't necessarily monitor it. And they'll tell you at baseline, you know, bring them back in two years, bring them back in five years, or maybe I want to see this in six months. But as adults, I personally would recommend anyone over the age of 18, at least getting a a baseline skin exam, um, especially if there's a history of tanning or anything like that. Um, I would say, especially if you have moles, get in early, you know, and just get established. And then you'll know from there, you know, how frequently you need to be seen. Okay, great. And then also one more thing to clarify, because both of our kids are, are pretty fair, but just to stress the importance of skin health and getting these things checked, no matter fair, dark, whatever shade you may be, this is, it's important across the board, right? Definitely. And then I always tell my patients too, because, you know, people come in and show me something and luckily it's harmless. And I think sometimes they feel silly. And I always say to them, listen, I would much rather have you show me, you can come in and show me anything. I'm never going to judge you for that. What I don't want you to do is to see something and, and not come in because you feel you know, silly about it. So I always stress that to my patients, you can show me anything. There's nothing that I will think is silly. You know, I always want to see it to tell you that it's okay. You got to see something, say something. (laughs) See something, say something. See to your skin. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So what's one action tip we can take or focus on as we're thinking about skin health this summer? So I would say, I guess two action tips, one's easy, one's hard, or not necessarily hard, but The easy one I would say is treat yourself to a good sunscreen or find a good sunscreen that you like. Focus on a mineral-based sunscreen. Um, There's a lot of options, but maybe go go buy yourself a a nice sunscreen. Treat yourself to it because you'll enjoy putting it on more. And even just like the daily facial moisturizer with sunscreen in it too. Like they have some tinted ones. And so treat yourself to something that you like. And secondly, the harder one, I would say, you know, especially if you're over a certain age, make an appointment with a dermatologist and just get a baseline screening if you haven't done one, because it's always good to check your skin and just get a, an eye on it. And they can give you recommendations to yourself personally. Thank you. Well, these are some amazing action tips and education on skin health. So thank you, Sarah, for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hope this episode armed you with the info you need to have fun safely in the sun this summer. If you're looking for a tribe to continue this conversation, find an accountability partner, or bounce ideas off of, search for Build Your Own Fairy Tale on Facebook groups and join the private group. And if you know someone who may benefit from this episode, please share it. And don't forget to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And please leave a review. Thanks again for being here. I'm not giving up on my dreams, and I hope you won't either. I'm Kristen Latini, and this is Build Your Own Fairy Tale. When I set out on my solopreneur journey, I wanted to be the most organized and professional without spending a lot of money. Sound familiar? 
That's when I discovered a customer relationship management platform called 17 Hats, a game changer even if you're a newbie without tons of clients. Here are three quick reasons why I love 17 Hats. Number one, it allowed me to replace my scheduling tool. Hello, one less subscription to pay for. Number two, I can effortlessly send quotes, contracts, and invoices, helping me look super professional. And number three, magical workflows that allow me to automatically send emails and reminders without being tied to my inbox 24-7. The best part is they've got a free seven-day trial so you can check it out firsthand. And if you decide to purchase, here's the best part. Use code FAIRYTALE for a 50% discount off your first year subscription. So head on over to 17hats.com and check it out. Here's to simplifying and making things more magical.